Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening in gratitude of who you are in our lives. We believe and we trust, God, that everything we place before you, you, God, will take care of in your timing and your will. We put Zayn and his health um, in front of you today. We put the community of Othello and the situation of the virus today. And we place, God, those needs that we haven't said out loud but are on our hearts. If they're for our marriages, for our children, for our families. God, we, we just put those things understanding fully and believing fully that you are in control of everything that we do. We trust you. We believe in you, God. And as we prepare to receive the information for building a gospel-centered marriage, we believe, God, that you're going to continue to grow us via your Holy Spirit. And uh, it's just going to be an amazing time. When you pray, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, so I'm going to share my screen. And... Uh, and then we'll go and get into the information and then we'll get into the discussion. Cool. Everybody good? Thumbs up. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Getting better, guys. So here we go. You guys see that? Thumbs up. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. So, hey, this is kind of part two of uh, the, the prioritizing of uh, marriage. This is part two of last week. We talked about prior, but one was prioritizing our marriage and making sure that our spouses felt like they were number one. And uh, some practical ways we did that was just, you know, I think who like honest question, who wrote the love letter to your spouse saying, hey, I'm going to prioritize you and this is how I'm going to prioritize you. And if you didn't, there's no shame. So last week we had a challenge, an right. assignment of writing your letter, a letter to your spouse. Right about how you were going to prioritize or rearrange, reprioritize. Um, and we're not going to ask you to share it, but... Um, oh, I was going to ask him to read it. <laughs> read it out loud. Um, but we ha- we did have a few couples throughout the week just, um, you know, wanting a reminder of what that assignment was right. um, and that challenge. And we have a new challenge today, but um, if you did and you shared that with your spouse, uh, I guess we can share, like, what the experience was. Right. So um, if anybody wants to share what that was like, it was nice receiving a mail from my spouse in the card or anything like that or in, in because, the, what did yeah. I say? Did I say that wrong? I said that wrong, huh? A mail in the card. You said that. I, wow. <laughs> Pray for me. Church. You, <laughs> it's all the, it's all the, it's all the stuff that's going on inside my head. Pray for me. A card in the mail. If you received a mail in the card from your spouse, just that was amazing. If not, it was amazing. We talked about that last helping out USPS because they needed it. But the challenge was um, prioritizing your spouse and making sure that your spouse is, number one, not only audibly your first priority, but visibly um, your first priority and tangibly your first priority, right? It's one thing for a husband or a wife to say, hey, you're my number one. And it's another thing to live that out. And so the book that we're following is called The the Four Love Laws of Love. I don't know if you can see that. Too bright. Might be too bright. It's because all this glowingness here is causing us, right? But these are the, the foundations of what the class is, right? When God created marriage, he also created laws to govern and guide it. Excuse me. He created marriage to be orderly and predictable and the safest human relationship on earth. And when we honor his law of love, we live, excuse me, our married lives in places and safe, are in peace and safety. Now, that sounds super wonderful, right? We get married so that this becomes true, right? We don't, we don't get married to live like this super spontaneous 
unpredictable life. I think a lot of us get married for the security of having somebody that we can live life with to the fullest. Now, in marriage, spontaneity is, is something good. I'm not talking about like the spontaneous romance, but we'll get into that next in two weeks, right? Prioritizing romance. But in the sense of I know that if I come to my wife, she is the most secure person that I can bring everything that's on my heart, everything that's on my mind, everything that I'm going through emotionally or spiritually to without worrying about the judgment or the prejudgment that I'm going to get rejected. That's this is what God created marriage for. Right. We are out of the book of Genesis, chapter two, verses 24 through 25. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and join to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked. And someone said, amen. And the man and his wife. And there was no shame. It's amazing how these four laws are in scripture from the beginning. This is right after creation, right after God breathed life into Adam, right after God presented Eve to Adam, formed from the rib. And it was just something that God had already planned and preordained from the beginning of all of creation. Now, again, we talked about this a little last week, how God would say, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. He was giving this commandment to Adam and Adam didn't have a mom and dad. Neither did Eve. So what this refers to is that God already had this established, right? And, and that's where the four laws derive from. Right. And it's just this, this scripture, this portion in scripture. Right. So we talked about that. We talked, here's the breakdown of what it's going to look like over the next, you know, weeks of, of marriage Mondays. And we're just going to go through the book. Um, and so if the four, you, right, four laws. there's a four laws today, we're going over prioritizing relationships. So in two weeks, we're going prioritizing romance. I know that a lot of you guys want to skip to that portion, but there's an order to this madness. Okay. So today we're talking about prioritizing relationships. And here we go. The greatest threat to most marriages isn't from bad things. It's from good things out of priority. Um, that one hurt a little bit when I read that and made me process everything in my life and in my marriage, because you're thinking about, well, how can good things be really, really bad for marriage? Dr. Evans says this. He says, a lot of good things in marriage can be great things for you by yourself. But in marriage, there has to be priority because in marriage, for our marriage to succeed, we have to respect the law of priority, right? So questions. What are some things, excuse me, in life that tend to compete with our time, attention, and priority? And how can we be vigilant about keeping the boundaries on those things? Now, I want to open it up again to discussions a little bit about if anybody has any insight of how to answer this. Now, we're going to go in through what the rest of the slides say about the information. But again, we want to be able to um, have a discussion about this and grow and learn together. So the question again, does anybody have anything to add here or or something to say? Okay. It just takes just a huge I mean and the father is just like the most basic one provides and it's the obedience of the family and belonging and it's like balancing that. Mm, I like that. Mm. 
<laughs> Which is great because, you know, like I said. I don't want her to be quiet and just like not let it fester and not know about it. Right. And that kind of answers the second question. How can we be vigilant? Keeping that accountability with your wife on, hey, if this is taken over, like, let me know. <laughs> I think I can be a little transparent in this. When when um, I decided to get into ministry, um, one of the things that I talked to my wife about was, hey, make sure that you keep me accountable to making sure that I'm a husband and dad first before I'm pastor at home. Um, not in the sense that being a pastor is a bad thing, but in the sense that I Grew up in the pastoral home, and I and I grew up under a dad who whose priorities and I'm going to say this to you guys, and I can say this because I've talked to him about it already. Whose priorities were God, pastorship, husband, dad, and then everything else, versus what Scripture teaches us to be God, husband, father, which would then be your ministry would be considered church, right? Pastorship, church, work, and then everything else, right? So. I, I love that my wife keeps me accountable to that. Sometimes I'm going to read to me to be honest. It hurts when she says, Hey, it, it's time for you to get home and, and, and come be a husband and a father. So, you know, that's to answer that question for us personally. That's how we are vigilant about keeping the boundaries of those things. Because again, we've learned. And as Dr. Evans teaches us, these things are really, really important in prioritizing your life. Um, anybody else? Sorry that I'm taking over the conversation. Just get really excited. Thank you, Zane, for, for sharing. Tanto. We're going to talk about kids here in a bit. I was going to say the same thing. Sometimes our kids or their um, hobbies will take over. Mm. So or we got our own hobbies. Okay. <laughs> so we got work. We got uh, kids. Anybody else? No? All right, let's get into it then. So, priority number one that is a good thing, but also needs to get put into check is children, kids. They are a gift from God, and they are only superseded in priority by their relationship with God, our Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our spouse, right? Uh, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, um, because if you have kids, what type of marriage do you want to model for them? And if you don't have kids, how do you want your marriage to reflect God to this world? Now, I've heard this several times in my life. The greatest thing that we can ever do for our children is not give them a trust fund or leave them with millions of dollars or, or leave them with a skill, but show them what a healthy relationship looks like in marriage, right? The greatest thing I can ever do for my daughter, Ellie, is show her what a good husband and biblical foundation husband looks like for a wife. And the best thing I can do for my sons is show them what a God, a man, a, a man, godly. godly man. Wow. My head just messed up. Manly, manly, God. manly, manly God, right? <laughs> a godly man is in marriage. So question for you guys, what type of marriage do you guys want to model for your kids? Anybody chime in. Again, we're, we're, we're talking today more than just listening. For marriage, I suppose, pretty much love. And uh, for my personal, I mean, for marriage, I suppose, 
Ooh, come on. That's so good. You have uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and then Ephesians chapter 3. Come on, somebody. Anybody else want to chime in? Aaron and Lori, look, you have an amazing conversation with your mic muted. Mm. Um, and safety uh, because your kids are you know they're watching your every move right and if, if, if you're bouncing off the walls or if you're arguing uh, constantly or or whatever the case may be you know they're they're going to see that and in their eyes i mean that's all the exposure they they get is what what you model for them and they're looking for some sort of security a place to feel safe because uh, that's that builds trust that allows for trust to grow so i think that's important is uh, a safe and secure st- stable relationship to model that's so good and and also like to add all, aside all of that or with all of that um you know model what you want you know the relationships to be for generations to come mm. you know you what you want to what you want for your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren, um, it has to start somewhere. Um, so you definitely want to help mold that, or um, yeah. No, that's 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 really good. Yeah. Um, I, I like like I said, I can't speak for anybody else's marriage, but mine, um, or ours, not just mine, right? As I grew up in a completely different environment that Blanca grew up into. And when we got married, it was, okay, how do we, how do we do these things? What do we model? What do we want to model for our kids? For example, my dad never helped mom with any house chores whatsoever. And now he's paying for it right now. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, and, and I remember telling myself, when I get married, I'm going to wash dishes and be okay with that. Not only be okay with that, but I'm going to learn to enjoy to wash dishes. And uh, for those of you guys who've seen me personally, Victor, you're not, Zayn, probably not. Um, I, I like washing dishes. It's like instant gratification. If you've never washed a dish in your life, it's the best feeling in the world. Something dirty, something as a man where you say, hey, I can fix this and just wipe it off, dry it off, put it in the, in the, in the dryer and, and call it good. And I can say that my wife appreciates that um, where she doesn't have to have that responsibility of or that worry that says hey the dishes i have to take care of too alongside with everything else right and I, or am i speaking for you i hope not but no yeah oh, sometimes okay. it's dishes with airpods on the best <laughs> if not it doesn't work right hey everybody has their system babe don't judge me um so those those are the things that we want to we wanted to model for our kids and it, 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 it's it's something that we have to be really, really intentional about, right? Like Erin said, if, if you're bouncing off the walls, all your kids are going to understand is crazy. Um, and if you provide them with a stable home, all your kids will come to understand is, hey, this is what healthy looks like, right? And, w- and when we come to understand that in the gospel message, that's what God is trying to reflect, a, a stability in the sense of, hey, put everything we have on God, right? And the book that we're going to go through, here are some practical ways and how to reprioritize or prioritize your kids in the marriage, right? If you don't teach your kids, and I want you guys to read this, but I'm going to just point out a few of them. If, if you don't teach your kids to respect your marriage, 
then you won't have one. That was a humongous one for, for when we were reading this. Okay, how, how do we tell our kids, hey, it's mommy and daddy time. And if you go back to the third point or down to the third point where I put some stars, uh, Dr. Evans would wrote references as a practical way to do this in the book. He says, tell them to go to their bed, give them a book and say when they're in bed, it is now mom and dad's time to be together. And unless there's an emergency, we don't want to be bothered. Yeah, and he, uh, Dr. Evans is the author, right, of the the Four Laws of Love. He says, you know, we give them all their needs. If they want a drink of water, if they want to go potty, and or if there's a monster in the bed. And he's like, and as soon as our, all those me- needs are met, if they go back to bed and, okay, you're done, we go, you know, get our own time. And, you know, at that point, they don't care. Like, they can get eaten by a, a monster and, you know, all their me- needs were met before. <laughs> So, they so ha- you have to draw boundaries. So, so I know, I know that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to culturize this a little bit, and I could be completely wrong. So, so help me out if I'm wrong, guys. Okay, I, I want to learn with you guys too. I, I think that we're taught as as uh, just won't put it we're, as Hispanic parents that once the kid is born, that we have to do everything in our power to make sure that the kid is like covered all the time, and. and Covered like in what sense? In the sense of like... By the blood of Jesus? No, no, of course the blood of Jesus, but like covered (laughs) in the sense of like, hey dad, it's three in the morning and uh, the light's on, come turn it off for me. Oh. But I'm seven years old, you know what I mean? Or I need a drink of water or, you know, the things that we're struggling with right now is Ethan, he's four and he still has, for some reason or another, gets up in the middle of the night, comes, asks permission to go bathroom. So one of us gets up out of the bed, out of our REM sleep or whatever you want to call it, and takes him to the bathroom and then tries to go back to bed. But by that time you go back to bed, it's like really hard to get a good night's rest, right? So teaching the kids to say, hey, it's mommy and daddy time right now. I, I've, I've tried to do that over the last few weeks with my, with my sons. Don't bother us in the sense of we love you guys. We're affirming you. But please... Let me spend time with mom and dad or with your mom, right? Let mommy and daddy spend time. So last night I was putting the kids to bed and Ethan starts crying. And I was like, Ethan, what's wrong? And he goes, why do you want to go spend time with mommy and not me and Ezra? And I go, bah, because it's 1030 at night and I want some mommy time, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, coming to to understand this is what marriage is and, and teaching them, hey, mommy is over you guys. I love you. But you guys are not here forever, right? You might have to talk to Lori and Aaron since their boys are are older. Yeah, right. Aaron just like spanks him <laughs> and probably like sends the bed. Aaron, give us the secret, dude. <laughs> Look at him. He's like, let's hang I know. <laughs> so it, it, it's really interesting because I, I remember, and again, these are the stories. I don't know why I'm just storytelling today. It's just one of those nights, right? But mom would come and coddle us that's the word i was looking for coddle we 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 think we have to coddle in order for our kids to feel loved when in reality i think when when we coddle our kids especially in the context of our marriage something happens either the husband or the wife feels like the spouse is prioritizing their children and not them right and uh and 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 the time and energy that's supposed to be spent on our spouses is spent on our kids and jimmy evans says here that's a tragic mistake mm-hmm. right but we can always fix mistakes in our marriage so if you guys come with me to this point right here so if you realize that your your kids have replaced your spouse as a first priority look at your spouse right now and say i'm sorry repent of your <laughs> sins the bible says repent of your sins and you shall be free say i'm sorry 
ask for forgiveness. And second, stop responding to their constant demands of your kids. Now, understand that it says constant demands and not their needs. As parents, we fulfill the needs like God fulfills our needs. And this is not to oversee or disregard like special circumstances. Right. right? Don't, like, don't be neglectful either. You know what I mean? Like um, your kids like jumped off the bed and broke an arm. Be like, hey, I'm spending your time with mom and dad right now. Don't bother us. You know what I mean? Be, be logical and practical on how that needs. But you know your kids better than anybody else. You know, if they're asking for a glass of water right before bed, it's because they really don't want to go to sleep and they really want to stay awake. Or, or, you know, if they're nagging at you for something, you know that, right? So love them and care for them, but don't allow them to violate the boundaries of your marriage. Anybody have anything else to add to that? That's some good word right there. Someone just got freed right now. Somebody. <laughs> right? So, here, so here, um, here are some practical ways and some good disciplines and traditions to, to, show, to show your kids, hey, I'm prioritizing my marriage over my parenthood, Right? You guys can read that. Uh, we'll highlight some of them. You know, a weekly date night. You pray together and go to church together. That's a humongous one. And I know that right now during everything that's happening, we still need to demonstrate that in our family unit, uh, the priority of, of church and gathering and the spirituality. Um, take walks. I know that's not hard. No, it's not easy for us right now because it's like 20 degrees outside. Um, I like the, la- the, one, the one in the middle. Don't go to bed angry which means that you have to be intentional about talking. I know it's super easy just to be like, hey, I'm out. Um, and then find something that you both enjoy doing uh, and do it regularly. Uh, anybody else have anything to add to the list that works for you guys? Hey, we do this. Some good discipline, right? some good ideas. Some good traditions. That don't include like Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. But we'll talk about that here in a bit too. <laughs> Not being an Instagram husband. Yeah, don't be, don't be, don't be the IG husband at night. You can be um, during like during the day, whatever. But, but those are just the things, some things to, to, to take away from here today. Okay. I think one thing we one thing we do that um, is not on there is like every I don't know like six months or something we have like a. I don't know what to call them like business meetings, but like where we like family meetings. Yeah, yeah. Where we just review like our goals and our financial, like, right. I don't know. I just think those are yeah, we, fun, we, but we, good. Yeah. We bring our kids into the, the big picture scenario where we talk about, Hey, the kids, this is what we want to do this year. This is what it's going to look like and how we do that as also in our marriage. Hey babe, I think we do it like every, we do it on our anniversary and our birthdays. That's mm-hmm. what we do it. So it's at six months apart. So it's, it's pretty good. Right. So those are the things. What was that? I did Netflix show together. Ooh, Netflix and then chill. Netflix and then chill. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of that. It happens. Hey, but then, but then you can explain everything that's going on. There's, there's, there's truth in both of that. How, babe? Um, but yeah, those are the things. Those are some good things to to demonstrate to our kids. Again, the 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 goal of tonight is to make sure that our priorities are right. Right? It's my spouse, our kids, and then our families. And this is not the family unit that you live with every day. This is your extended family, like mom, dad, brothers, sisters, and everything else. And for this reason, a husband shall leave his wife, right? Reprioritize or leave his mom and dad. No, not leave, not leave his wife. wife. Sorry, <laughs> never leave your wife. Husbands and wives must leave, reprioritize, (laughs) and then cleave, and then unite, right? 
Now, why do, why why do why do he talk about family? You you want to give the insight to that? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, he talk he talks about family because there in in some cases, parents. How do I put this? Parents make their kids the center of the universe, and when the kids leave, the parents have no idea what to do when they're empty nesters. I can't personally wait for Ezra to turn 18 and then kick him out of the house. That's just my personal opinion, my personal goals. Just you guys know that I've said that out loud several times. Now, if that causes Ezra to go into therapy later on, we'll deal with that as it comes. But when Ezra's 18 and I'm out of the house, I tell my wife, I get you back to myself forever. Now, if they come back, yes, we're going to take care of them and everything else. But we've come to understand that the kids are not the center of our universe. Now, I need to say that out loud because sometimes our parents feel like they still have quote-unquote dominion over us or they have to have us as part of their lives in order for their marriage to succeed. And we'll talk to hear about that in a bit. But I want us to get to know this tonight. Families are a great thing to have in life, but they are not the priority of your marriage, okay? There's a reason that God gives the commandment to leave your parents, and it's because you become, as a married couple, an autonomous family unit under God's authority, not your mom and dad's anymore. Now, I know that this might sound a little weird or a little awkward to say for us who've been married more than 10 years um, or, or whatnot. But again, I need to reemphasize why this is really, really important, right? We, 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 we come to make decisions together and, and, and not based on the foundations of what our mom and dads are telling us to do anymore. Um, because this establishes a few things in our, in our lives. It establishes us together in, in unity, right? And it establishes us foundationally, the roots. Um, and again, this, this causes us to grow on purpose. If we would have stayed under mom and dad's roof or under mom and dad's control, I guess, or authority, it should not control, but authority, then when do we have the time to grow together as a couple? When can then we make decisions together as a couple? And and what happens is if as a couple we, we feel like we're not making those decisions by ourselves, then we all of a sudden come to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start to build malice or start to hate mom and dad because they're not letting us grow, right? And they're not letting us do the things that we do. So, so Dr. Evans talks about that here. He says, you must protect your spouse from your parents if they are intruding upon your marriage, exerting undue control and or disrespecting your spouse now if your parents have any significant emotional voids in their marriage or in their lives uh, you are not the answer okay you must stand your ground and with lovingly encourage your parents to work on their marriages go to church make friends start a hobby or see a counselor and i laugh at that because um it's just something really funny. Like I, I told Blanca, I don't want to be that mom and dad where I have to go hang out with Ellie or I have to go hang out with Ethan or I have to go hang out with Ezra and their spouses all the time in order for us to be like fulfilled. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's okay. Like I think there are good relationships, but I think, right, we don't want to disrespect or shun them. But I think when it becomes what this, um, what this bullet says, when parents are intruding upon your marriage, and I think that's when it becomes an unhealthy relationship. Right. 
But I mean, if you guys like to hang out with mom and dad, like I think that's funny. no. But that, that, that's I'm not saying don't <laughs> hang out with mom and dad. Please don't take this out of context. Some of you guys will be like, "Hey, Pastor Larry told us not to hang out with you," and uh, we're just gonna like. I'm gonna, I don't want to get a phone call tomorrow. And be like, "Why are you telling my parents, why are you, my kids not to hang out with me anymore?" No, I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> what I'm getting at is here is to make sure that you and your spouse are healthy enough to make sure that those boundaries aren't crossed over by mom and dad. The same way you protect from your kids mm-hmm. should be the same way you protect from your family. And this goes way beyond parents. We can, we can include siblings here. Mm-hmm. There's some siblings in, in, in our lives that who will say, hey, you know, well, you shouldn't listen to your wife or you shouldn't listen to your husband or, or they're, they're making some really uh, rude comments about this, this, and this and that. We were talking to Emmy and Kayla yesterday about a situation that happened when we were newlyweds and how I had to step in and defend my new my new wife. Because, again, she was used to a certain thing. I was used to the certain thing that she was used to, but there were people in my family who weren't, and I had to defend my wife against their opinion of this certain thing, right? And, you know, that scored brownie points. I'm just going to be super honest, right? <laughs> but it also set us apart as hey alex and blanca are now a unit together and um again we we do this as a sign audibly and as a sign physically and emotionally and spiritually that our spouse is our priority Mm -hmm. right so stand your ground lovingly train your parents or in-laws or siblings or whoever else is in your family cousins that you respect or to respect your marriage Right. Mm-hmm. And along with family, also come friends. Now, friendships are really crucial to one's stability. Mm-hmm. Friendships are really crucial to one's expression of who they are. There's some of us who come into marriage with lifelong friends. There's some of us who go into marriage and then develop friends or friendships inside the marriage. But again, friendships are just another relationship that we must keep in their proper priority. Right. So here we go. You must demonstrate to your spouse in real terms that you are first or that 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 they are first in your life. And you must protect them from friends who are either ungodly and healthy or don't respect the boundaries of your marriage. I'm going to stop here and, and emphasize this. One of the conversations I recently had with a couple that we were doing the primary counseling with is, do you guys like each other's friends? And uh, the groom-to-be looked at his bride-to-be with, like, this really sour face. And then she looked at him and she said, what? You don't like my friends? And he goes, honestly, I don't. And and then we had to do, like, premarital, premarital fight counseling right there, which was super interesting because, you know, I had to remind them, or we had to be reminded that friends are good, but they're not the number one priority. And... Oftentimes, we, we, we base our relationship with our spouse or with our wife or husband on the opinions of others, on the opinions of our friends. And I'm, I'm not discrediting that. What I'm saying is once you get married to your spouse, that's the choice that we make based on information or not information. But that's the choice that we make when we make the new covenant between God, our spouse and not our friends anymore. As a couple, it is really important that we find friends who have unbiased opinions about us and who won't take sides. I think we've mentioned that a couple times already. Um, 
or find a couple who will always lead you to God first. Yeah. And and, and lead you to go correct the marriage in, in a way that God has ordained. And one of the most important ways we communicate love to our spouse is by what we are willing to give up for them. I saw a meme the other day, or actually this morning, it was really funny, um, where this girl was like, oh, he used to buy me flowers. He used to sing me songs. He, he, he used to take me on lavish dates. He used to buy me things at random. And then the, the, meme, the meme was this, until Call of Duty came out, and it shows a guy playing Xbox or PS4 or whatever it was at all hours of the night. And I started laughing, like really loud and, and, uh, and, uh, and then I caught myself and I go, why is that funny? It's funny because sometimes in marriage, we start to reprioritize everything else above our spouse because we think that we met or have got to the goal and that's all, right? But we come to understand that marriage isn't the end game. It's the beginning and the continuation of building the relationship throughout, right? I like what Dr. Evan says this too. It says, a good friend who is bad for your marriage, isn't truly a good friend. If you've had a friendship that says, hey, maybe you should leave your spouse because X, Y, or Z, versus a friend that says, hey, no, God intended marriage to last forever, you've made the choice, work on that, then maybe it's time to reprioritize friendships. And I know that's super hard to hear and it's really hard to say, especially for those of us who have lifelong friends coming into this relationship with our marriage, right? Anybody have anything to add to that? How we can prioritize friendships in the marriage? No? That means you guys love each other's friends? Perfect. Why are you laughing, Mike? Don't laugh, Mike. All right, we're going to keep going. And uh, this one is probably the most, out of all of them, probably the most real one. Technology. Um, as we were reading the book and technology came up, I, it's something that, you know, we're learning again, we're learning to deal with in real time because the reality is that all of us on this zoom call have grown up with some sort of technology in our life. And when I say technology, and I'm not talking about so much, uh, iPhone or anything else, I'm talking about like starting with the Nintendo NES original system. Anybody have that? I know Mikey had it. Aaron, you didn't have that? Aaron had all of it, right? I'm talking about things that we use, you know, as some sort of getaway. But here's, here's what he says, right? Technology is a great servant, but a terrible master. Um, that statement is so true. You know, there's sometimes where we get up and the first thing we do is not say good morning to our spouse or good morning to the kids that are in bed for those of us who suffer like that. But we turn over to our phone, turn off our alarm if it's beeping and open up any form of social media or any form of email or check if we have text messages or anything like that. And when we come to understand what that is doing to us is making us more of a servant to the technology than the technology is a servant to us is that's a terrible thing. If we can't turn or if you can't turn off or turn your video game, phone, tablet, or computer off, or put it down for a while, uh, you're in bondage, and so is your marriage. Um, I think I can say this in this group, and I'll say it on the podcast. I'll probably get in trouble for this later. Uh, Kanye West, 
his his Christian album, he has a he has a saying there that says, uh, "If Instagram has your wife, then you don't." Um, in the sense of if social media has your wife or your wife or your husband is paying more attention to social media, then you don't have them. Right. And that's something we have to fix. So I, I, I did some research about what social media has been doing to our marriages. Right. And, and there's some, some statistics, right? 15% of couples consider social media to be dangerous in their marriage. 16% of couples link Facebook to jealousy. One out of three Adults keep their social media password a secret from their partners. One in 10 uh, admit to hiding messages and posts from their partners. Uh, 14% of adults say that uh, they look through their partner's social media accounts for evidence of infidelity. 8% of adults in relationships admit to having secret social media accounts. Ouch. Those numbers might not look big, but those are numbers that were, you know, have been growing over the last, you know, 10 years since social media has become part of our lives. Interesting, this is right here, right? One in seven people who are married uh, have uh, contemplated divorce because of their partner's social media uh, activity. And in the book, um, the author, Dr. Evans, um, did add statistics, um, reported statistics that... 40% of divorce petitions include the word Facebook right. or social media. So these astonishing numbers of divorces are because of technology or social media, which I think is it's sad. <laughs> no, and, and it's, again, this is, and, and, and this is it's some, sad, but it's real. Yeah, and this is something I, I, I think we can emphasize that it's already part of our lives. How do we get rid of it? And the reality is I don't think we have to get rid of it. I just believe what the Bible teaches us is in self-control, right? Self-control being one of the fruit of the spirit saying, okay, I don't need to be on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever else comes our way in order to feel some sort of satisfa satisfaction that my wife or my husband isn't fulfilling. Now, if you're using social media as a tool, as part of your job or as something that's growing some sort of influence or whatever you have. Awesome. But if that's just some time that you're trying to kill because you don't want to have a conversation with your wife or with your kids, then there's something completely wrong, right? We need to create and maintain enough time alone with each other to communicate, um, be intimate and keep our passions growing. Right. You're getting into these things where, again, I can tell my wife, hey, I can put this away for the rest of the night and not worry about who's texting me or emails or chimes or anything else. And just I just want to spend time with you because I'm showing you again that you are my priority. Right. Not my phone or my device or my technology. You are. Um, and again, this is something that has to be really, really intentional with purpose so that the marriage has priority. Anybody have anything to add? No, just that there's a documentary on Netflix. Um, the Social Dilemma? The Social Dilemma, which so really was an eye-opener. <laughs> if you haven't watched it. Um, Highly recommended. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's about the guys who um, was on the Gmail team. Who's guys, watched it already? Have, you, have any of you guys watched it? Social Dilemma. On it's, Netflix. It's very eye-opening and very interesting on just 
how we are. What what's it, what's the social media is doing to the human psyche? Yes, it's pretty 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 crazy. Um, and how that and how it's grown to to a place where they didn't intend it to grow to is what they were saying. It's so, a monster they can't control. Right. So and, anyway, uh, go watch it. It's pretty interesting. It just it just gives us the reflection on the human condition. It's it's just it's just pretty crazy. But in our marriages, guys, I think <laughs> we need to emphasize the importance of these things. When we prioritize our relationship first, because marriage is the most important human relationship that we can ever have. Okay. Now, if you guys want to debate me on that, then we can have a discussion on that outside of the class. But I believe that this is what God is trying to get to us, you know, convey to us. I, I think this is why we, we, we come to these things so that we can learn these things. And I know that might sound like a little um, shallow, but even these things practically in with the principle is, hey, I need this in my life because I need the accountability, right? There's moments, and I'm going to be super transparent here, where I can't sleep and, uh, you know, my wife is asleep and then she'll wake up and I'm on, you know, I'm playing a golf game or I'm on Facebook Marketplace or whatever. And she says, hey, don't you think it's time to turn that off? Um, you know, spend time with me are you are you the question is are you really here with me right and um you know i i know that we can get completely lost in our devices and our in our social media feed but again I, to learn the self-control and to have the discipline that comes with the holy spirit to say hey i don't need to be uh, a servant of this and i'm going to use this only as a, a tool or anything else right so priorities in marriage anything else i'm missing no, I, I don't oh. know if anybody wants to have any, add any thoughts or ideas here. <laughs> no, that means some of you guys are being completely liberated right now. Everybody's going to like delete. You guys their, are having some deep conversations on that other side of the screen. Some, some, somebody's <laughs> deleting their social media <laughs> presence. Or that. arguments, we don't know. <laughs> well, we'll pray for you guys. Hey, we're, we're getting to the end here and then we're, we're just going to we'll open it up for discussion here, but. For our marriages to succeed, they need to have or they need to be protected as number one on our list of human relationships. I think we can all agree on that, right? We all want our marriage to succeed, amen? Yes. I know that I made a valve until death do us part, which means till the end of my life or the end of Blanca's, which I'm hoping that mine comes first because I don't know if I can live without Blanca. And um, and uh, so... Making that a priority is something very, very intentional that we have to go to. Now, last week we asked you guys to write a letter. This week um, we're going to ask you guys to communicate intentionally. Right? Would someone like to read today's or this week's challenge or read this slide? I think you can do that. No? Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> this, Victor, Victor, go ahead. Take the mic. Okay, this caption over here first or what? Sure. It says, putting your marriage first means meeting your spouses and needs before they ask. This week, you can't microwave communication and nothing can substitute for it. Every couple needs between 30 and 60 minutes daily of personal communication. Together, decide on a set time each day when you can share your hearts and have meaningful communication and then do it. Thank you. Now, I got a question. Does anybody have like a... a Especially with kids, is anybody, maybe Aaron and Lori can answer this one because I think your boys are a lot older than anybody else who's in here. Can you give us a secret of like when is an appropriate time to like communicate 
by yourselves uninterrupted time how you guys how you guys do it did it and <laughs> she's like we don't do it <laughs> so trying to figure it out strict with our kids like we absolutely love our kids and we do everything for them but they know like when it's our time it's our time or if we ask them to do something they're pretty good about doing it so we've never really struggled with that um yeah sometimes I think I mean I don't know I, I don't really we probably don't do a lot of personal communication or 60 minutes or as much as we should but a lot of times, like, Aaron will stop by my work because, um, you know, our schedules are opposite sometimes. Mm. Um, so he'll stop by work or we'll try and do lunch. Um, he might get up early because I'm an early bird and he's not, but he might get up early and just kind of hang out before the kids wake up. Um, you know, things like that. But, I mean, everybody's different, so you kind of find what works for you. But, I don't know, we've been pretty consistent with our kids, like, Again, you know, we're just, we're strict, but I mean, they, they are like pretty respectful of that and they understand like, and I almost think that they enjoy that. Like, oh, mom and dad are, you know, on their own, we get to play and mom's not going to be on us for cleaning or doing all this stuff because, um, I could probably be very frustrating for my kids too. Cause I'm like, clean this and do this and do that. So when it's Aaron and I's time, it's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're out of my hair <laughs> yeah like there's times where we tell them like hey we're gonna go on a date or whatever and they're like okay <laughs> you know, like they're super excited um so i mean I don't yeah know. And, and there has been times where where we've told them like hey your mom and i need to talk we're gonna be in the room you know don't don't bother us and they're usually pretty respectful of that we, we don't hear them knocking on the door or anything like that um, when i heard you say that earlier made me remember some of the times that, that we have done that where it's always where we i've said hey your mom and i need to talk we're going to be in the room you know so don't bother us just go go upstairs or go do something um you know keep yourself occupied but um just to echo what my wife said a lot of it is just being consistent you know with them uh like you said uh larry sometimes it's hard because we coddle them and sometimes it's hard to say no like no you know and mom, can I have this? Or dad, can I have that? Can I have, no, you, you can't have it. You know, go to your room. Mm-hmm. And that could be hard. And sometimes we feel bad, like we're not giving them attention. But saying no isn't always, you know, bad. I mean, it's, if anything, it kind of builds character and teaches them that they can't have everything that they ask for. So one thing I did when my kids were little, and I think it might have helped, um one time like I don't remember where we were and Silas was kind of like just being a brat you know and so I I get home and I was trying to tell him like that really bothered me like you can't be acting out in public or whatnot and I could tell that it wasn't like he was understanding so I tried to like think of a scenario that he would understand and so I said how would you like it if I showed up to your classroom tomorrow and just started running around like a monkey and you know just making everyone in your class laugh and like you know and so i don't know sometimes like when it comes to like i don't know like making them understand at their level or giving them an example giving them mm-hmm. examples like so. i think my kids have learned like and they know that i would do it like victor knows <laughs> <laughs> so they're like 
like, oh, no, I don't want my mom. So I don't know. Like, sometimes I have to be real with them. Like, if you're going to do that to me, I'm going to turn around and do it to you. Uh. You better watch it. Like, <laughs> usually, I don't know, like. And it does get difficult because they, they take up so much of your life. And uh, I don't know what the ages are to the other couples here, but, I mean, it never goes away. They're, they're, the phases just transition into something else, whether it's when they're young and you, you have to spend all your time because they're young and they can't take care of themselves, to when they get older, then they want to get involved in hobbies and, and extracurricular activities, so now you're spending time to do that. I mean, your time is always going to be taken. It's just how it's being used. So being able to find that balance, you know, with with what they want to do, with what you're willing to do for them, um, but then having that limit or boundary to say, no, no, that's a little too much. You know, let's let's pull back a little bit because it, we're just getting too busy, and that can be difficult because you always want to do you know everything you can for them, but sometimes you just can't, and you have to let them know that hey, it's okay. You know, we. We can't go to the basketball game tonight. We just can't, and it's okay. We'll find something to do at the house. Another thing is, like, another thing that I've done is, like, when I when I speak to my kids, like, I'll tell them, today we're going to go do this for you. Like, we're going to take you here and do this, this, and this. Tomorrow, it's Mom's Day. Mm. So, like, I yeah. make it known, like, this is your day. You get to have your sleepover with your friends, but tomorrow you better stay locked up while my girlfriends are here. <laughs> you know what I mean? good ideas no like if you want to have your friends over like you've got to give me my time too or you know things like that yeah yeah so so question i have and i know and and i'm sorry if i'm i'm asking a really weird question our our, our oldest is she's going to be eight in a day or two well pray, pray for me church um when did you guys start implementing that how early were those expectations set? And that was Magali's question, too, on the chat. She said, how early did you start with your kids? Oh, man, since they were very little. How early what, though? Like, what specifically? What do you mean? Like, like setting the boundaries. Setting the boundaries. Like, I, I think Ellie is at an age where she fully understands, hey, me and mom need to have our time. And there's no questions. But Ethan's four, and he's still having a hard time. Ezra's, you know, he's following mommy. Ethan. Yeah, he's, he's he just cries the whole time. That's just, oh, he <laughs> yeah. needs Jesus big time. I would say as early as you can, but you know, kids don't understand when they're when they're really young. But I want to say I, now that we can remember, I kind of remember really pushing the issues like once they started uh, kindergarten once they start and yeah, you know, once they started school because you know they're they're already they're they're already receiving some sort of of instruction. So I mean, if they can receive the instruction in school, why can't they receive it from us at home? Got it. Um, but even before that, if 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 you establish you know if you set the tone, you know. It, like I said earlier, if if you're bouncing off the walls or if you're inconsistent, they're going to catch on to that, and then they're going to want to push their buttons. You know, where's my limit this time? You know, last time my limit was when I said it four times, and they finally said yes. Well, now I'm going to say it four, five, or six, right? Mm. So, uh, I mean, definitely the earlier the better because it's always easier to get, to get um, more lenient. It, it, it's always easier, you know, mm. to say, you know what, you've been a good kid, so now I'm going to let you do this. As opposed to you've let them do whatever they want. Now you're saying, no, 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 now you're not going to do that. Now you're going to get that reaction like, oh, why? Or you never let me, you know, this is the first time you've ever done it like this. Why are you doing this? And you get the tantrums. So setting the tone early and knowing that it's always easier to be lenient than to, than to be strict, it, it's better. And I don't know, that's the way I've seen it. I've seen it work okay with us. It's, 
it's I mean it's I mean it's not like you're cracking the whip or anything, but you're just setting some boundaries. That's really what you're doing, and you're sticking by them. And even when they test you, you're holding your ground and saying no. Even if you're gonna be upset at me for ten minutes, sorry, Charlie. You know we're gonna do it my way. Too, right. So, so good. It can be hard sometimes too because if you tell your kids like, if you act like this, you're not gonna get this, and you have to have to do that. Like whatever you say you're gonna do, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like we've kept our kids from parties. We've and it stinks because you're you're kept away from it too. But yeah, like we've kept them from a lot of fun stuff early on and like now they know like whatever mom says like she means business like Mm -hmm. it's not like she's just saying that to make me not want to do it um and that can be really hard Mm -hmm. because you do miss out on stuff sometimes but if you told them like you gotta you gotta follow through Mm. that's good we're gonna take some of that advice i'm taking all of that (laughs) i'm gonna start implementing that right now Aaron said a crack a whip (laughs) That's all. That's all. That's all he got. Crack the Aaron. whip. No, he said not to crack the whip. No, I'm just good. Oh, I bust up the belt every day. I, I I learned that early. Grandpa would say, "Hey, there's a whip on my wall. You don't want me to grab that. If I have to get up and grab that, you're not gonna like that." Yeah. Oh man. And that's another thing is understanding your kids because we have two, and I mean their personalities couldn't be further from each other. You know, one, one is a little more conservative, one's a little more social and spontaneous. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of learn their language when it comes to discipline. You know, uh, one might react well to, to being spanked, and one might react well just to get a scolding or a finger in the face saying, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but, and that's difficult, but you kind of just have to try it and see what it works. I mean, like, you know, there's no manual to this. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's books on it all, but, you know, it's, it's not easy. Right. Parent. No, it's not. <laughs> awesome. Anybody have anything else to add as far as, you know, kids and, and marriage and priorities? Thoughts on today's class? Yeah. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I think Lauren, Lauren and Aaron want the newest battery to grow. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, one thing, one thing that, that, that stuck with me earlier was um, uh, Lain, when, when he spoke, saying that you know, work, you know, because, you know, work is important, you know, but it, it can can create a divide, you know, in, in your marriage. And it's difficult, it's difficult for men because, like you said, we're, the, we're the, the men of the house, we're expected to, you know, to work, but then we have to find this balance, mm-hmm. you know, on on you know working but yet fulfilling our our you know our our spousally duties i don't even know what the word is and that could be difficult and it could be frustrating for men because we can be thinking gosh you know what do we think what do you think i'm doing all day i'm working for you right but it's not really like that work is something that's should be automatic you know so kind of hard to I think it's, it's kind of unfair to think that way as a man because that's our obligation anyways. Mm. That's a hard pill to swallow too. I heard it once, and I will we'll wrap up. I know that you guys, it's been more than an hour. I heard it once, I said like this, I, I think men prioritize work. It's because in work they find the respect, they find the things that sometimes at home is not provided um, in the sense of, hey, 
at least at work they look at me and honor me in this area and i come home and you're just wanting me to throw out the trash like what's up with that you know what i mean now that comes again with communication respect uh i think it's pastor craig rochelle um if not one one of the one of the guys that runs in his circle says this he goes i don't understand how men are men he goes how men of today meaning this year or whatever young men have time for the extracurricular activities because the scripture says you work to feed to to eat you have to be a full-time husband all the time you have to be a full-time dad if you have kids and and then you have to live up to your godly duties that means spending time with god getting into scripture he goes and all these things you have to give 100 percent. and in the same time he goes and you have to be able to find solitude in yourself so that god can recharge you right and I think as men, and I can speak for, I can speak, I can't speak for all men, just for myself. I've have to, I've had to learn to prioritize these things in my life, right? When Blanca says that I wash dishes with AirPods on, technically that's my time. And Blanca comes to understand that, um, or my kids understand that. Um, and I've learned that if I'm running on empty, I can't love with a hundred percent, right? So, you know, if, if this is me trying to get my, his attention when he's yeah. washing dishes because he can't hear me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I do that on purpose sometimes. And, you know, just the reality of what that is. And, um, you know, coming to understand, OK, how do I love my wife with everything, my kids with everything, God with everything, and then go fulfill my my job responsibilities with everything and then figure out how to do that again the next day? Someone asked me, when does it stop? And I go, this doesn't stop because God. It still has you here on earth, and when you die, it stops, right? Mm -hmm. So, learn. I guess take encouragement in knowing that God is more than enough, and if we're feeling drained, we can come to God, and God will fulfill um, that that need for us. So, anybody else have anything to add? No? Um, then uh, we'll encourage you guys to uh, to go and love on each other. Any other questions? Um bring it to the chat or text us or anything else if not we will see you guys in two weeks uh, make sure that you take on the responsibility of the challenge spending time intentionally um, talking to each other distraction free um, um, and then go from there cool you want to awesome. pray to dismiss sure awesome all right thank you guys for joining us let's pray god thank you for this just incredible time that we're able to just learn um, from your word and from each other, Lord, as couples, as parents, God, and just as spouses. Um, I pray that you would bless each couple um, here tonight and just the couples, Father God, that have joined us and are planning to join us later down the road. I pray that you would just bless them and that you would continue to tug at their hearts, Father, when um, their prior or our priorities aren't aligned father with your word with who you are and what you've um, called for our marriage to be God I pray that uh, you um, give us the strength you give us the wisdom God to be able to approach um, difficult situations hard conversations God I pray that uh, you continue to mold us as one father and you continue to um, just grow us father as couples Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word um, and that you continue to challenge us every day um, to grow in, in you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.